Let's stay in that place for a moment. Great are you, Lord. Two quick thoughts. That idea of our Lord being so great that it almost causes us to kind of go on our knees. That idea of power and reverence and holiness and just purity of how big and awesome and impactful our God is. And as we whittle through a song, it's so easy to sing these words without fully looking at the radiant face of Jesus and thinking, wow. In a heartbeat, he made the world and creates us to to sing and worship and to bring our whole lives before him. How powerful he is. Great are you, Lord. How great he is that he's carried you through this year. How great he is that he has promises coming for next year. How great and wonderful he is who throws the stars into space, who uh, knows each and every detail about your life. How great he is that he rescued you from the grave and restored you to everlasting life. How great he is. Jesus, we are so grateful. We are so grateful and we're sorry that we whittle through our life from project to, to uh, timetable to pressure to everything that's going on. And sometimes we forget to stop and just marvel again at how great you are. It's nothing to do with us. We are not great. You are great. And we worship you, the living God. And we bow down and we worship and we say, Lord, continue a work in us, we pray. Don't leave us where we are, but do a good work in us. Carry us, Lord. Call us to holiness. We worship you. And then there's that idea of him being great as we sing that, that song. I wonder, what, is it that, what does it mean to you? What are you thankful for? Great are you, Lord. And, you know, it's uncomfortable, but let's do it. Let's push the boundaries a little bit. And I wonder for a few moments to think about the things that you are so grateful for. Is it health? Is it the fact that you're here alive and kicking today? Is it family? Is it a special memory at Christmas? Is it a promotion you've had this year or a, something, that, something wonderful that stirred you to, to be thankful is it the big stuff, the macro, is it the micro, the small things? And after three, let's, let's just shout out, all of us, one thing that we are grateful for. And let us do it as an act of worship. Great are you, Lord, that we recognize what you've done in our lives. So let's think for a moment. And each of us in our moment of worship, our moment of praise, lift the temperature of this room and declare verbally, what we know he's done in our lives. So Lord, we are grateful for one, two, three, family, friendship, joy, we're alive today, that we are here to worship you, that we have clothes on our back, that we are fed, that we are known and loved, that we are treasured, that we treasure others. Father, all these things we've just spoken of, we are so grateful. Great are you, Lord. And the saint said and proclaimed in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Please grab a seat as we continue our worship through our word this morning. And, um, you know, I'm just grateful for this man who's going to be bringing a word. If you're new to our church, Mike uh, led our church for many years um, as our, uh, our chair of trustees. Uh, the detail of, of the church he, he knew and um, put time and energy into. Mate, I'm grateful for you and your family. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. I know you're a bit unwell, just under the weather today. You could be chilling at home, but you're here, ready to, uh, ready to 
leaders. So let's pray for Mike. Lord, I want to thank you for this man of God. I thank you that he's got such a great gift of communication that comes from you. That when he speaks, it compels. When he speaks, it creates a clearer picture of you. Lord, all of us today, I ask, would, would you allow us to be challenged? Would, would you shape us, your children? Would you speak to us through his words, through what you've deposited in him? And Lord, as he gives out, would you bless him? Bless Ray and Finn and energize them, Lord, as a family. And we thank you, Lord, that what he puts out today will not go um, uh, and be wasted, but will grow into mighty oaks for you. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Surely what it says about me when we're not in front of a lot of people. <laughs> uh, I hope everyone's had a good Christmas. Everyone had a good Christmas? Yes? No? Everyone eating too much? I've eaten too much. Who's eating too much? Who's got a cold? <laughs> Who's feeling unwell? Who's looking forward to going back to work? Everyone! Class. I always, um, I always feel like the few days between Christmas and New Year, because Christmas Day and New Year's Day, they're always the same day of the weekend, and there's like a week in between. And I always feel like this is like the dead zone, like no man's land. You go, Christmas, yeah, and then Boxing Day you go, I'm relaxing, and you spend a couple of days start relaxing, and then you go, New Year's Eve, and then it's like back to the trudge. But these few days here are just time to gather your breath, eat leftovers, lots and lots of chocolate, and... Yeah, just vegetate a bit, spend time with family. Um, and I'm, actually, I'm surprised there's so many people here today. It's really good to see you all because quite a lot of people go away at Christmas uh, to see family and stuff, and this is a good time for people to do that. So thank you for being here. Um, this time of year, people tend to be very retrospective. Um, they look back quite a lot at the past year. And actually, as I've been preparing this, um, this the title of this talk, hopefully it's up there, is looking backwards and looking forwards, or looking back and looking forwards. As we get to New Year's Eve tomorrow and we think, what has defined 2018? And I, I had a look, and you know what, the internet is awash with lists of things that happened in 2018, of the biggest of this and the best of that and the, the worst of this and the most expensive of that. Um, and for us as well, we can look at our own lives and think, well, what, what has defined 2018 for us personally? As what's defined 2018 for us as a church? We've heard some stuff about what, what's been happening this year and what's going to happen in the new year. And Rick actually used the words earlier, we're going to look back and we're going to look forwards. So to warm you all up, um, and a bit of audience participation so I don't feel so lonely and exposed up here, I'm going to ask... Shout out some of the big things that have happened in 2018. Anything at all. It can be personal, it can be like newsworthy. Go on. It's been a big year. <laughs> Should I start us off? Let's, let's, I think the less said about Brexit, the better, so please no one's mentioned that, because that's going to go on into next year. We haven't seen the end of that. We've had a royal wedding. Anyone remember that? Anyone remember the little thing called the World Cup? That was a pretty big deal. We've had some awesome weather. Apart from the start of the year, it was pretty snowy. Then it got really sunny. And now apparently it's going to get snowy again. Anything else? Sorry? Three, you've had three grandkids. That's awesome. Class. Fantastic. So, obviously, big year for you. Anything else? 
The Thai cave rescue, I've got that down here actually. That was that dominated the news uh, early part of the year. I don't know if you remember that. There was um, a Thai boys football team was stuck in a cave for 18 days. 18 days. And they were all brought out alive. Amazing story. Class. Um, and there was the Winter Olympics, but that was a very long time ago, so probably no one even remembers that. Um, Ed, does anybody know what the biggest selling album this year was? It was, it was the mighty, uh, the mighty, <laughs> the greatest showman soundtrack. Was bit, apparently it's a bit of a big deal. I've never heard of it. Don't know what it is. <laughs> My son loves it. Actually, he watches it all the time, and he uh, he sings all the words to it. <laughs> but as we look at those big global events and things that have happened in the news, there's there's obviously things that are personal to us. Like I said, that will define our that will define our year, and these aren't necessarily going to be all positive things we can say well we like kids came into family or maybe someone got married maybe someone graduated from university or got a new job but bad things can happen in life as well tough stuff maybe maybe someone got a, a bad diagnosis with an illness maybe maybe someone's lost someone close to them maybe a relationship's broke down and someone's lost a job and at this time of year people generally make New Year's resolutions, don't they? And they identify things about their lives or themselves that they think, I don't want to do that anymore, or I don't want to be like that anymore, and I'm going to make a commitment to change it, starting on January the 1st, and generally by January the 7th, you stop going to the gym, or you start watching that TV program that's probably not great for you. But... Are those things that you want to change about your life, are they linked to the events that have happened in 2018? Some, maybe, maybe something's happened in, in the last year where you think, you know what, that's really not good for me. And as Christians, we, there are things we can identify in our lives. We can look at what's happened in the past year and think, you know what, maybe next year I need to not do that anymore. Or maybe something's happened that's been amazing. Maybe you came to Alpha and thought, you know what, I need to do more of that. I need to implement that into my life. Like I say, resolutions can be things we stop doing or things we start doing. And it's really important for us, as we look back and be retrospective, to learn from our mistakes and to celebrate our victories. Remember that phrase. A few years ago, we had a guy called Ben Cooley who runs a charity called Hope for Justice. Hope for Justice is a charity that was founded by him, and he now runs it, to set the victims of slavery free all over the world. And I don't say slavery figuratively. Today, there are more slaves than there have ever been. And this charity seeks to free slaves from human trafficking and, and sex work and all that horrible stuff. And he goes into these awful places, and the charity do amazing work setting these people free of the, the horrible conditions they're living in. And he said, one of the things that stuck with me that he said was, every single time they free somebody, they open a bottle of champagne and they have a massive party because somebody has been set free. What an amazing work. And it's worth celebrating. And in your own life, 
when something's happened that is amazing, hopefully you celebrate, sometimes just with the people around you. We all celebrate birthdays, we celebrate Christmas. It's important to leave a mark on our own lives and remember the positive things that have happened in our lives, certainly on our Christian journey. If you've been baptized this last year or if you've made a commitment of faith, those are things that should define that year for you. They are huge milestones, and we want to celebrate them with you. We'd love to celebrate them with you. In Luke chapter 15, verse 8 to 10, I have apologized for the reference on here because I told Josh it was Luke chapter 5, but it's actually Luke chapter 15. The parable of the lost coin. Let me just turn to it in my Bible, and you can follow along on the screen or you can turn to it too. Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 8. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is a biblical concept. It says right here, when one single sinner repents, there's a party in heaven, including the angels. Is that not amazing? When each and every one of you became a Christian, God threw a party in your honor. That's fantastic news. God celebrates us, and so should we. We should be celebrating our victories. But what about the stuff that wasn't so good? What about, what about the big things that... What about the times we've messed up? What about the mistakes we've made? What about times we've hurt people? What about times we've driven people away? I do it. This is not me preaching at you, absolutely not. And I'll come to that a little bit later on. Don't let it define you, but learn from it. A lot of the stuff I've been reading is forget about what's past and look forward to the future. But I don't think we should forget everything. We need to remember some of the things because we can learn from them. And actually, you know what? We're in really good company with an entire book of biblical giants who messed up spectacularly. And we can learn from their mistakes as well. Don't let your mistakes define you. Because God didn't let any of the people in this book's mistakes define them. Look at Peter. He was always messing up. And he had a personal relationship with Jesus as he walked this earth. He was his personal friend and confidant. And Jesus put him in charge of the world church. That's the kind of people Jesus wants. He doesn't want people who've got it all sorted. He wants everyday, ordinary people who are willing to say, you know what, it's not about me anymore. I'm willing to get past the mistakes I've made. He stood and denied Jesus three times and he was absolutely devastated. And Jesus took him alongside and said, you messed up, you messed up big. But you know what? My grace is enough. And God's grace is enough for all of us as well. Do we believe that? I hope so. God's grace is enough for every single person in this room, every single person in the whole wide world, because his sacrifice was good enough. 
And if God's grace is good enough for us, is our, gra- is our grace good enough for other people? That's the hard bit. What about people who've hurt us? Are we willing to afford them enough grace? Oh, it's tough, isn't it? But that's the example Jesus sets. You can write a list of the people in the Bible who messed up. It's Peter, Paul, David, Moses, Abraham, Elijah, not this Elijah, Noah, Adam and Eve, Jacob, Solomon. These aren't like side characters in the plot. These are like the main heavy hitters all the way through the Bible. There is no shame in making a mistake. And we should remember that. And we should use it. And we should learn from it. And we should step forwards and look forwards with a changed mindset. So let's look forwards. So what are we going to change next year to avoid making the same mistakes again? What do you want from 2019? This can be small things, big things, things that are going to change your whole life, things that are going to change an aspect of it. I think we can all probably identify things in our Christian lives that we could change that would, would be small changes to our lives that would have a big effect. And I feel I need to be honest about something that I know I need to be more encouraging. I know fine well that that is something I struggle with. I don't know whether it's insecurity, whether I pass it off as banter, whether sometimes it's, I think it's funny and I'm hurting people. But the power of our words, we've just been through James as a church, we know that they have the power to, to build up and to break down. Why don't I use them to build people up? I don't know. I need to change it. It's tough. And I'm going to seek to try and change it next year. A couple of years ago at work, there was a guy who I really respected, one of my friends at work, and he came alongside me and said, I've got a real problem with the way you talk to me. You don't treat me with respect. You need to change the way you talk to me. And it hit me so hard. I had absolutely no idea. I was shocked. I thought he was joking. But he wasn't. And he said, no, I'm serious. The way you treat people, the way you talk to people at work is not good enough. And I was mortified. And that was about 10 years ago. And it has stuck with me right here ever since. And it has changed the way I talk to people at work. It was awful. But it needed to be said. And it was... Hard lesson to learn, and I went home that night, and I was like, I was, I was absolutely gutted because of the respect I had for this guy. And I know in my Christian life and in my personal relationships, my words need to be those of encouragement and those of positivity because of the effect they have on people. The big problem with resolutions is they're quite easy to break, aren't they? There's nothing tying us to them. You don't have to wriggle out of them or break the chains of them. I had an analogy yesterday. It's like, imagine you're holding a helium balloon in your hand. That's your New Year's resolution. All it takes is for you to go, and it's gone. You're not even, you're not resting out of it. You're just letting go of it. It's so easy. How can we make it easier to keep a grip on that? What needs to happen in our lives for us to actually stick to them? Is it just a case of willpower? Do we just need a bit of life coaching, maybe? Do we need to change our mindset? 
The old saying goes, old habits die hard, and new habits are hard to form. Apparently, to form a habit, it takes about 40 days. If you can do something every day for 40 days, there or thereabouts, it will become a habit, and then it will become easier to do it the next time. So if you want to start reading your Bible more, don't say, this whole year I'm going to set myself a target to read the Bible every day. Say, I'm do it for 40 days. Because that's more manageable, isn't it? It's the length of Lent. But there's more to it than that, isn't there? Because we don't believe that we are changing in our own strength, do we? We're not doing this on our own. We've been saved by God. and The Holy Spirit lives within us. And he's changing us and making us new. And we believe that we have the power at our disposal to help us change. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, be imitators of God. Or in the NIV that I've got, it says, follow God's example. How can we possibly imitate God? He is perfect and holy and all-powerful because we have him right here. He lives within us. And he's changing us and affecting us and being part of us. And if we allow him to change the way our minds work and our actions happen, we will be changed. And we will be changed for good. We will be changed so we become more encouraging. We'll be changed so we become, we've got more love for people. We're more compassionate. We'll be changed so we see the value in people more. Positive things. This is not about control. It's about us becoming the people we were always meant to be. And we're not there yet. Of course we're not. I'm not standing up here saying, God's done with me, he's changed me, I'm sorted, I'm saved, I'm good. Paul says in Philippians, Not that I have already attained or are already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. This is Paul talking Paul went on missionary journeys and thousands and thousands of people were saved. And he's saying here, God's not finished with me yet. The turnaround in Paul's life in Acts is incredible. He went from killing Christians to making them in one day. He met with Christ and he completely changed his life. And Paul's saying here, God's not finished with me yet. And he never will be. And it's the same for us. If Paul's not finished, I'm not finished. Elijah's not finished. No one's finished. But every day, we take one step at a time. God never said this was going to be easy. He said, take up your cross and follow me. He didn't say carry around your helium balloon, this big, ugly, heavy, clumsy piece of wood, and follow me. Sometimes it's going to be tough, and it's going to be full of joy, but sometimes it is going to be tough. And sometimes... Life's going to get in the way, and sometimes you're going to get knocked. Let's not pretend that once you become a Christian, everything's plain sailing, because that would just be lies, wouldn't it? And we all know that. But it doesn't mean it's not worth it. And as we step closer to God, it gets easier. And the things of this world have less of an effect on us. And as we take a step closer to God, his comfort comes a little bit stronger. And as we step closer to God, his words have that little more meaning to us. And as we step closer to God, we feel his love. 
and his encouragement and his power working through us. And as we look forward beyond the end of 2019, beyond the end of our lives, we have an eternity in heaven to look forward to. Eternity. And just imagine, like I said earlier, there's a party in heaven when we are saved. Imagine how happy they're going to be when you actually get there. That's exciting. I'm excited. I hope everyone else is too. So if you do make any New Year's resolutions, I don't want to talk about life coaching or gym memberships or interview techniques today because this isn't the time or the place. But if you have anything about your Christian life that you think, you know what, this is a fine thing that I need to change or this is, this is maybe the direction I need to move in this year or this is something I need to introduce into my life. Maybe come to a prayer night on Sunday night. It would be really good for you. I don't know. That's between you and God. Think about these things. Can I ask the band to come back up again, please? I just want to give you 30 seconds of quiet for you to pray and just say to God, maybe you already know, but just say to God, look, is there something this year that you want me to do differently? Maybe God wants you to step up into a ministry area. Maybe he wants you to go out and feed the homeless. I, honestly, it could be any number of things. I don't know. But just something that is going to positively affect your walk with Jesus that will positively affect the lives of those around you as well. Oh, lots have been, has been shared today, lots has been said and hopefully it's stirred something in you um, and given you some thoughts to, to go forward with and I just want to finish by reading um, from Numbers 6 which I just love and it's Aaron's blessing. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel, you shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. And that idea of going into New Year and all that it has for each and every one of us and for us as a community, uh, knowing that the Lord's blessing is on us. And Lord, just our final prayer is that, that you would go before us, that you would bless and ordain all that's to come. That, Father, you would fill us with a heavenly joy, knowing that whatever comes, our promise in you can never be diminished, that our hope of eternal life can never be stolen from us or tarnished, 
but we possess and carry something so pure and so beautiful and radiant that it causes us to smile. Lord, bless us. Bless our families and those we love. We pray your very best for all that's to come, and we trust in you, and we have faith in all that's to come. Lord, help us to be obedient and to take steps in this coming year to go risky for you, to take opportunities, to seize the moments, to live our whole lives worshipping you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a fantastic new year. And uh, feel free to stick around. I know there's hot chocolate. Be, uh, be community and uh, be blessed. See you next Sunday.